0: Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 21. What an amazing trip, man. Uh, there were so many uh, wonderful things I've heard. Uh, picked some of them up from the airport, my wife and others, of course, and uh, man, she was a chatterbox, even though she was wiped out all the way home of all the wonderful things the Lord was doing there. Then, of course, uh, Holly, the next day, Chad came over, and uh, they were over all day, and Holly Man, she can chat to you. <laughs> and I just heard all these beautiful testimonies, man, that just warmed my heart just to see their love and fire for the Lord, you know. And go, You want to get fired up for Jesus? Go on a mission trip, man, prayerfully seeking him and saying, Lord, use me. I mean, it just makes you such a, you, you grow as much as many of the people you go minister to, and oftentimes more, you know. So praise God, he's good, amen. Let's bow our hearts before him. Father God, we come into your presence with such praise, Father, and such thanksgiving. We lift our hearts before you. We cry out to you, Father. We pray, Father, that you would make yourself known, that you'd make your word known, that you would be hallowed, Father, by us. Hallowed be your name, Father. We pray that you'd be glorified. Father, we know, Father, that the times that we live in are getting they are getting worse, Lord. Things are getting darker and darker. And Father, you stated in your word that your judgments have not only been here, but will come in greater intensity toward the end, uh, that your name may be known, and that people will turn to you, and that the nations will fear you. And we just pray, Father, in your son's name, that as we dive into the book of Revelation, or actually just the prophecies in general as well, that you would give us a sense of awe toward you, that you would help us to understand the times, Father. Because like the sons of Issachar, Father, your word says that they knew what to do because they understood the times, Father, so that we might know how to apply your truth to our lives and walk circumspectly, Father, live in a holy manner, Father. Walk worthy of our calling, Father. Be the people you've called us to do. Open up our hearts as we open up your word. Open up your word to us by your spirit and help us to grow thereby. And may we be strengthened. We may be excited. May we just fall more and more in love with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. I saw you guys uh, last Sunday, but uh, we had Jonathan speak. And Wednesday night I was here, but uh, had Nick preach. And I already had these things scheduled because I was going to go to Costa Rica and at the same time, I was like, Lord, man, I'm so torn, you know. Uh wanted to get this whole expo day done on uh, you know, the, all the superhero movies and so forth. And, you know, do you know how many, I mean, there's like just the cameo appearances in superhero movies, Marvel movies, that Cam or that uh, Stan Lee's made because he's Marvel basically before he died. He made 60 cameo appearances in 60 different movies, you know. And we're not saying all, every single Marvel movie is like, a you know, set up by the devil to deceive everybody and so forth. But we do want to understand and be wise at times, because we know there's a lot of writers out there that don't share our values, amen, don't share our convictions, and have very paganistic ideas they are anti-Christ, and they're worked into a lot of the storylines. It just so happens, when I expose it, it's, like I said, it's like they sold their souls on steroids. I mean, it's like such a blow mind, when you, you, and, we're, and I was so grateful that even though I couldn't go, I was like, Lord, I, be, I believe you allowed this to happen, because now I'm fine. <laughs> my foot. I don't know if you saw it, man. I mean, last Sunday, there was a breakthrough, literally, my blister popped back there when I was talking to people, and there was liquid everywhere. And was like, Whoa, man, <laughs> it was all over the place. There were people wiping it off their legs because it pops. No, no, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad, but it, there was liquid everywhere, and it was Joe, and he came over and helped me wipe it up and got me some napkins, because I didn't want to trace it everywhere. <laughs> but I'm like, my Achilles is supposed to be messed up still for quite a while, but it's good. And uh, the blister, I can go riding, hopefully, with Narrow Road Riders, John. You guys go on Monday? Praise the Lord. Where are you guys meeting? Oh, Oak Park? Okay. Where are we? Okay. Gotcha. Praise the Lord. If you can make that, that's great. Can't make every Monday, but when you can make them... Fun and good fellowship. So anyway, uh, so I'm like, wow, Lord. I'm like, fine, right when they come back. But I got so much time. And I thank you, brothers, elders, and uh, teachers stepping up, man, and uh, preaching in my place. And they always do an awesome job. And I'm just so grateful for them. And so keep that in prayer. That also fits in the times. So in Revelation chapter 21, which we're not going to get in depth into right now because we're going to be a more general message as we return to the book of Revelation and kind of catch you up just a little bit. Uh, and that doesn't mean go through every chapter that we've gone through already previously because uh, you can go see hundred, listen to hundreds of messages if you want to do that or just even better, read the book of Revelation. But in chapter 21, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. There is going to be a new creation. We live in a creation where there's entropy. The second thermodynamics. thermodynamics. scientists, whether Christians or non-Christians, all acknowledge that the world is winding down. And it's going to die a heat loss death, a cold death. Because energy, because the second thermodynamics, entropy has set in. And all the energy and all the organized galaxies and the suns and all the energy that's emitted that is uh, basically, it's running out. And psychotherapy dynamics dictates that, that energy is depleted into less and less energy to where basically we will have a dead, cold universe. It doesn't matter what your belief systems, that that would happen if time was to continue. But thankfully, God will step in, amen? And he says it spreads his, his, the universe out like a curtain. It's expanding. We know that's what the Bible says. We do, science knows that. Scientists denied that there was a beginning of the universe. Now, almost pretty much universally, they all agree, wow, there was a beginning, you know? Well, yeah, first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God says it's gonna wear out like an old garment. And science has found that out too. And it will, if God was allowed to permit, but God will intervene and make a new heaven and new earth. Praise God for an awesome God that he's gonna step in. He's gonna give you and me a new body. That's pretty cool too, amen? I know every year that goes by, I'm thankful, more and more thankful that that new body's coming. Uh, So it's very important that we understand though that this book is the word of God. I mean, I was one of the worst skeptics you'd ever run into. I mean, some of these internet trolls are so nauseating, these atheists, um, militant atheists, but that was kind of like what I was like, you know, without the internet, you know, when I was a boy in the 1700s when I was young, you know, (laughs) there was no internet yet. But anyway, uh, I began to, you know, when I became a Christian, I'm gonna go through my whole testimony, but I was like, what in the world, man, this book that I mocked that had never really studied, just into this very day, It only proves itself more and more and more. I don't doubt it at all. I don't doubt even a smidgen of 1%, guys, that this is inspired by God. Because the more time you spend in it, it becomes part of you. It's like so amazing. But I want to talk about some of the prophecies because Jesus talked about the things that would lead up to where we're at now. So that's kind of my, you know, as we re-enter the book of Revelation, this is the kind of study that's saying, okay, let's catch up and see what's happening and been happening and what's happening right now that's leading up to this very end. Because in chapter 21 and 22... It's like you get to see, not just like one of those home improvement television shows that are so popular, but one of those new house shows. This is chapter 21, 22. God's showing you your new house, where you're going for the, forever. And it blows away. You could take all the shows and all the programs of the coolest house and put all those together as one big mansion, and it's nothing. It's a garbage can compared to what God's got going for you. Okay? so You need to get excited about his word. But God is the God of prophecy. He tells the end From the beginning. And that's how he proves that he's the one true God. You know that. He says in his word, he says uh, things like, you know, I am the first and last. Beside me there is no God, right? And uh, he says, I know no other God and so forth. And when he makes these kinds of statements, he says in the context of prophecy as well. That he's the one true God and he proves it by telling the end from the beginning. They aren't these vague quatrains, these little, you know, insidious quatrains like Nostradamus came up with where you got these little riddles that can mean just about anything, right? Uh, in fact, Nostradamus, his letter to his son is online where he warned him not to follow in his step and not to deal with the devil because it would cost him his soul. Don't get in Nostradamus. These are prophecies that are just mind-boggling. You're reading, you're like, wow, these are very, very detailed to the very time that Christ would come and be cut off in Daniel chapter 9, Amen remarkable prophecies how he'd be crucified his hands and feet would be pierced long before the Jews even understood or practiced they didn't practice that kind of execution they stoned people to death so there's all these prophecies that are just mind-boggling but one of the interesting prophecies and we talked about Israel in a message a few weeks maybe a month and a half ago I don't know maybe a month ago or so and because Israel was getting bombed by Hamas radically thousands of missiles and we looked, had a whole message on Israel. So I want to do a whole message on Israel, but they're part of the signs of the times. I want to do a message today on the signs of the times. And you start, you look at these prophecies, and I'm going to have to go, and yeah, Jonathan was making a joke that he thinks I bring a, the same message every time because I have so many notes, and, but no, they're all here. <laughs> but I've got to skip through them again today because I've got a lot, but we're going to get done on time. Sometimes I go a little late by trying not to. In fact, one time it was kind of embarrassing because the guy was leaving and I was just about done. And I want to do the altar call. I go, hey, where are you going? He goes, I'm getting, got to get a haircut. So hair was kind of long. I was like, oh, uh, why didn't you get one before you came? He goes, I didn't need one before I came, you know, because he was, he was sitting there a long time, I guess, you know. So anyway, not a true story. I'm messing around with you guys. But anyway, uh, the Lord says uh, Israel is such a powerful, powerful witness to who God is. You know, I gave you the one emperor who said, give me in in just one sentence, you know, the best evidence for God. And he said, the Jew, you know, remarkable. And it's, yeah, the Jew, what what a testimony to who God is, the Jew. And uh, it's based on this, and this is why it's foundational to apologetics, because you know what the Lord says? The Jew is a witness, and his His continuing existence, and Israel becoming a nation again, ceasing to be a people, becoming a people again, ceasing to be a people before the world's eyes, but always being a people before God's eyes, and then him bringing back the land more than once, by the way, is a testimony, because there's no, he has a history like Israel, the hundreds and hundreds of nations that have existed, mind-boggling. In fact, he says that they're a witness to who he is in these passages I'm showing you. He says in Isaiah 43.10, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord. You're my witnesses and my servant who I have chosen that you may know me and believe me that I am he. Before me, there was no God for me and neither shall there be after me. I mean, he says this. You are my witnesses. You guys show up as a bold witness to the fact that I'm God because I tell your future to advance. So go to Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. Well, you go to 46, 44, 43. You could go a lot of places, but... We'll, we'll start with mm, 44. We'll start with 46, 44, wherever you want to go. I don't know. Go, go to 46, 9, and 10. Remember the former things long past, says. Remember the former things long past, for I am God. The former things, meaning what I did with you is, an ancient, uh, is a nation, because they're his ancient nation. He's saying, Remember what I did for me, with you guys a long time ago. For I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is no one like me because so many of these Jews had turned to idolatry. You go to Jewish museums and see all kinds of these pagan gods that the Jews had fallen into worship. They've uncovered uncovered so many uh, pagan gods that the Jews had been worshiping. He says in verse 10, declaring the end. Look at this, I love verse 10. Declaring the end from the what? From the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not yet been done saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Verse chapter 44 now, just back up a little bit. Verse six, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last and there is no God besides me. Okay, wow. Verse seven, who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me in order from the time that I established What? From the time that I established the ancient nation and let him declare to them the things that are coming and, let the, and the events that are going to take place. In other words, get your, get your idol gods out here. Come on. And let them tell you what's going to happen. All these things that can't even walk, can't even talk. Okay. Get them out here and let's see if they could tell you the future. Look at verse 8. Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced to you and declared it and you are my what? Witnesses. Is there any God besides me? Or is there any other rock? I know none. So we see very, very clearly in the verse 10. You know, you are my witnesses. You are my witnesses. The ancient nation. I told the end from the beginning. I declared the end from the beginning. No one else could do it. I mean, you guys have to look at Israel. And that Whenever you start to doubt at all, if you doubt God's existence, just look around you. Just realize what you're made of, your DNA and everything. It's just ridiculous to even think that it was an accident. It's ri- absolutely ridiculous to say that nothing became everything on its own. By the way, Tony had mailed me, emailed me my message. Uh, well, the, the slideshow on creation that I had done for the skeptics. And Rich and I were debating their whole We didn't just debate one guy. We pretty much were debating the whole group, you know. And I mentioned that after the debate. Their head guy who looked kind of like Darwin himself, you know. He actually acknowledged, he says, well, you guys, you guys got the better of it because you guys use this f- slick slideshows, you know? Well, I want to do that slick slideshow for you. And it's not that slick. It's just a lot of truth. Uh, Tony emailed it to me. So that was going to be my, what I was going to go through today. But I want to do a catch up message for you first, you know, so as we transition into chapter 21. But he says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. There is no God formed and there will be none after me. Isaiah 43, one, okay? The context of this, this whole section, 43, 44, 45, is about God's prophecies regarding Israel, his ancient people, and how it comes to pass showing he's the one true God. But now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine, verses five and six. Do not fear, for I am with you, I will bring your offspring from the east. I will gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. Somehow I'm going to bring you all back into the land. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Not just from Babylon. Not just from the Babylonian captivity. they had been dispersed more than once. They were all over the place. And now you look at Jews. They come from all these different tribes that are back in the land. For chapter 43, verse 8 and 9 now. Bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes. And the deaf, even though they have ears. He's talking about people that are spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. All the nations have gathered together so that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them can declare this and proclaim to us the former things? Let them present their witnesses that they may be justified. Meaning bring the spiritually blind and the spiritually deaf before me and before you guys. And let them tell you what's happened in the past. They really don't understand a lot of the past. Let them tell you the former things. Let them tell you the end from the beginning what's going to happen. They can't do it. I'm the one true God. And I've shared this with you before, but I'm sharing different scriptures and uh, different things. Like I don't even think I've ever used 4310 with you. You are my witness to say, the Lord, I've heard me quote that before, but of the fact that Israel is a witness just for very existence I've talked about, but not with that verse that I can remember. So I want to kind of mix things up so it's not the same exact thing because I don't think we should ever get tired of these prophecies, so it's good to look at different ones. But he's basically saying, in his theodicy, his defense of who he is as God and his character and how he cares for them and he's faithful and he's good is that he is a God of prophecy. And you know, can you imagine when Abraham was picked, the first Jew? Oh yeah, you know, leave the, leave the land of Ur. And Ur had like hot tubs, natural hot tubs, spring, I mean, that they turned into hot tubs, first ones we know about. Leave this place of luxury and beauty. His dad was a, Idolater and go into the land of Canaan. I'm going to give that to you. Yeah, there's even huge people there, by the way. Oh, I'm going to get in that land. Yep, I'm going to trust you, God. Oh, and I'm going to change your name from Abraham to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. You're going to have so many descendants. He asked Abraham, hey, we're going this way because I'm going to be the father of nations. No, you got the Muslims, the Jews. The Christians, the Catholics, all calling them the father of their faiths. Okay? Well, he's only the father of the one true faith, which is Christ crucified, glorified, the resurrected Christ, and those who deny that Jesus is the Son of God need to come to Jesus, i.e., Muslims and so forth. Our Catholic friends need to make sure they have the right gospel and turn to the gospel of Scripture that's not the seven sacraments and purgatory and getting burned off for your venial sins that saves you. It's the blood of Christ, amen. And Jews need to understand Jesus is Messiah. But my point is, with regard to Abraham, look at this guy's history. Three of the most famous world religions look to him. He'd be the father of many nations. But we're only saved by grace through faith through the gospel of Jesus. So because you mention Abraham, just like if you say Jesus, doesn't mean you're saved. You need to know him, amen? So it's important that we understand. Then Jesus said in his time, after this was written, after many of the Jews had come back, that they be dispersed again because they reject him as the Messiah. And they did. And they were dispersed throughout the entire world, you know. And he said he'd bring them back a second time, the Lord says in his prophecies. And he's brought them back again in our day. And we know Israel would have to become a country again because the Antichrist would sit in the temple of God, which would be rebuilt, which many Jews right now are trying to rebuild it. Israel would be at the hottest nation on the planet, which it is. Jerusalem would be the most debated piece of land on the planet. The scriptures say it is. Jesus said in Luke 21, they'll lead you captive by the sword and you'll be dispersed throughout the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot. The Times the Gentiles are fulfilled. To this day, Jerusalem is being trampled underfoot. Jews don't even go on the Temple Mount because the Muslims have the Dome of the Rock up there, the mosque, and they have an agreement that they won't. It's just, they're at the wailing wall crying, waiting for God to, you know, it's all, in Daniel 12, he'll deliver his people in the tribulation period, the first few verses. In Revelation chapter 12, the woman is Israel and she's hides in the wilderness. God sends her into the wilderness to protect her from the onslaught of wickedness during the time of the Antichrist. She's a nation again. Let those who are Judea flee the mountains, Jesus said. It would be inhabited again. And so it is right now. So you have all these amazing, mind-boggling prophecies. And they would return to the land in the last days, the Bible says Again, which, it says that. It says after the land had been ravaged by wars, which they did. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 14a, and then verse 15, therefore prophesy, son of man, and say to Gog, and Gog is a coalition of evil nations against Israel in the end days. It's a title. Uh, Many, most of them are Muslim, both these nations today, by the way. Thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel are living securely, Will you not know it? And you will come up against my people, that is Gog will, this coalition of nations, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. That's gonna happen. It shall come about in the last days that I will bring you against my land so the nations may know me and that I am sanctified through you before their eyes, O Gog. And then in verse eighty he says, after many days, you will be summoned. In the latter days, you will come into the land that is restored. Gog will come into the land that has been what? Restored, this is chapter 38, verse 8. It's all last day stuff. That is restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been uh, gathered from many nations to the men of faith, uh, uh, to, to, uh, to many nations and so forth. Okay, now, this is amazing, man, when you think about it. Now, you know what's a trip? I love reading a lot of the old commentators. You know what's cool about reading the old commentators? Not only do a lot of them really fear the Lord, but a lot of these old commentators... They're talking about future prophecies that we've now seen happen. Saying, this says it's going to happen. And they'll be like, I don't know how it's going to happen. It doesn't make sense. And then it happens. Think about this. This is in 1789. Before I get to that one, I have a book by Alexander Reese called The Approaching Advent of Christ. Which is a really awesome book on the, on the rapture and its timing. One of my favorite books on the post-tribulation rapture. Which is kind of funny because he's like a Presbyterian, you know, which are usually Amill. You know? And, but he writes this book, and it's like, and in the book I'm reading, I read the whole book. It's one of my most marked up books, probably in my library, you know? It's a nice, hefty book. But he did a great job, because he was pre trib and he became post. But it's years before Israel's a nation again. And he's writing that book, Israel has to become a nation again. That's what the Bible says. Boom. I looked at when he died, man. He died before it happened, but I'm like, wow, not long after he died, it happened, you know? Uh, but this is what Elohan Winchester He made this statement in his book, A Course of Lectures on Prophecies, in 1789. Remember Israel? Listen now. Israel did not become a country until what year? 1948. You should know that date, 1948. Israel did not become a country, folks, until May 14, 1948. He's writing this in 1789. Israel hadn't been a nation for about 1,700 years. Remember, when he writes this, Israel was not a nation for 1,700 years. They would not be a a nation again uh, until much later, you know, it's at 150 years later or so after this. uh, He writes this, which I think is really remarkable. Quote, nothing need to be more plainly declared than this, that the Jews shall certainly return to possess their own land again. Notwithstanding their long captivity and utter dispersion, Moses, that great prophet, spoke of these events in sundry places and expressly declared that they should take place in the latter days. Then he writes, see Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy chapter four, Deuteronomy chapter 29. He says it's gonna happen. He looks ridiculous writing this stuff. J.C. Ryle, he's one of my favorite Anglican writers from the past. You just type in J.C. Ryle, most everything he wrote was just gold, man. He emphasized holiness and so forth. I don't have, I'm not going to quote it here, it's a long quote where he talks about all these other people, in these nations, these people from other nations have just dispersed and be, been absorbed into their pe- other peoples, other groups, like he's writing from Britain. Like, look, all these different people from these other nations are just absorbed, but the Jew hasn't. He's been pre- He's been preserved. But some of these guys are like, listen to William Blackstone writing in 1878, okay? 60 plus years before Israel became a country again, over 1700 years, 1800 years after they'd ceased to be a country in this case. He says, well, (laughs) this is kind of interesting. He says, I don't believe the Israelites are to be restored to Canaan and Jerusalem rebuilt. You know, he's not saying that, he's quoting someone else. He's saying, someone says this, he says, dear reader, have you read the declarations of God's word about it? Surely nothing is more plainly stated in the scripture. <laughs> He's saying, well, yeah, I guess you wouldn't, It'd be hard to believe they're persecuted everywhere and so forth. And, but he says, there's nothing clear in scripture that can become a nation and it's going to happen. We take these things for granted, guys, but these are prophecies that are fulfilled in our day with the nations that, you know, uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of those Popular preachers of all time wrote in 1855, almost 100 years before Israel became a nation again, and 1800 years, almost 1800 years after they ceased to be a nation, he said, had these words to say concerning the return of the Jews to their ancient homeland, not long it ere by that the Jews shall come, shall come from distant lands, wherever they rest or roam. And whom has been off-scouring of all things. They've been off-scouring of all things, whose name also has been a proverb and a byword, which Proverbs said. By the way, it says, not Proverbs, but the scriptures say in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, that they be hissed about. People would hate the Jews when they were dispersed in their lands. That's being prophesied even to this day, amen. They shall become the glory of all lands, though, he says. Dejected Zion shall rise her head, shaking herself from the dust and darkness and from the dead. Then shall the Lord, shall he feed his people and make them, uh, and, make them and the places around them a blessing. I think we do not attach sufficient importance to the restoration of the Jews, he says in the 1800s. We do not think enough about it, but certainly, if there is anything promised in the Bible, it is this. Huh, sounds like Blackstone, huh? I imagine that you cannot read the Bible without seeing clearly that there is to be an actual restoration of the children of Israel. Come on, guys. I mean, just pick out any nation. Pick out any nation on the planet right now, and you start telling me their future, what's going to happen to them. In detail, come on, step up, let's see you do it. You're not going to even be able to get the first thing right. Well, they'll exist again tomorrow. Okay, I'll give you that one. Well, maybe for two weeks, I'll give you that one. But not the kind of stuff that you see what God's word says. Now, let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And let's look at prophecies that pertain. And these prophecies, by the way, keep in mind, they're related to what's going on today. Okay, Israel's a big part of prophecy. And in Matthew 24, though, I want to start talking about other prophecies that we need to keep aware of. In Matthew 24, which is kind of like a mini apocalypse, beginning at verse uh, 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, and that's after they ask him a three-pronged question, when will these things be meaning the destruction of the temple? And when will be, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age Matthew and Luke do not, sh- Matthew and Mark do not show the first question, the answer that Jesus gave the first question. Luke does in Luke 21. But these guys basically telescope to the end right before the Antichrist and the signs of the time, the birth pains that lead up to it. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, Jesus says, and it says, he's answered them and said, see to it that no one mislead you. By the way, he warns about spiritual deception more than anything else in Matthew 24. And you know what? These warnings are so important. You know Why? Because he knew there would be apostasy. That would be one of the main signs of times people be, would be misled. In fact, he says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And I will mislead many. Some take that as many will say that Jesus is the Christ. And they'll mislead many people by saying that. even though Because they're, they're not saying that anything wrong. They're saying it's right. But they'll be, pretend to be Christians and they'll be deceiving people. I believe that I believe the point is, is that he's there he's saying, I'm the Christ, I'm Jesus. Although it's certainly true that people are saying he's the Christ and then deceiving people because they're claiming to be Christian leaders and they're not as well. But the meaning is that there'll be these false Christs. Okay? And there'll be he goes on to talk about false prophets and false Christs again. Spiritual deception. And you wonder why he emphasized it over and over again. Look around you today. I mean, look what's going on in Charismania. I say that as a, as a believer who is not a cessationist, who believes in the gifts of the Spirit, who's seen God actively at work in our fellowship in very, very tangible, miraculous ways that are undeniable. We believe in the power of God. He's used dreams, things of that nature in our assembly to keep us focused on him, to, to watch out, actually, for sometimes false prophets, warning the church, it's an awesome God. But there's charismania going around where people go by feelings and, and go by experiences, and many times these are demonic experiences, and they don't test them. But the Bible says, test everything. Hold fast that which is good, 1 Thessalonians 5, amen. 1 John chapter 4 says, test the spirits to see where they are from God, amen. Acts chapter 17, 11, we're supposed to be like the Bereans, who are more, no- more noble than those in Thessalonica, because they even tested the things that Paul said and searched the scriptures daily to see if what he said was true. You need to search the scriptures. If you're going to a church and they're not opening the word of God, if they're not going to the word of God and they're not studying the word of God, it just becomes this kind of rock star preacher show. It's not about the preacher. It's about the prince of peace. It's about the king of kings. It's about the Lord of lords. Amen. And about his word and not our opinions. But there's this mass deception going on, which is one of the signs of the times. It's apostasy. Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word to Timothy. In season and out, of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. Time will come when they won't heed sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they'll heap themselves teachers. They'll tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. And that's how the world is. Amen that's what they want that's what the world's that's what's going on in the world right now so there'll be these false christs these false false prophets i was reading an article in the new york times recently which i don't encourage you to read personally but i research a lot and i read both sides and everything i can get my hands on that's pertinent to what i'm studying but it was interesting because i've done messages on identifying the beast the antichrist identifying the false prophet identifying the whore of Babylon. And I point out to you, that's interesting. We look at Gog, it's made up of Muslim nations that come against Israel for the most part. We look at Psalm 83, it's, there's different, like Iran, which is still trying to get the nukes, right? And wants to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Uh, it mentions Iran or Persia, which is called Persia back then. It's changed to Iran after Ar- Aryan, changed by Hitler, by the way. And uh, they want to wipe out the Jews. And a lot of people do. And it mentions how they'll try to wipe her out and push her into the sea and so forth. These different nations. Host of nations. It's amazing. And I said, guess what, guys? When the Lord is dealing with this Antichrist kingdom, a lot of it seems to be pointing to this, this Antichrist system. Uh, especially when you read the book of Daniel. Listen. When you read the book of Daniel, it talks about this head of gold, right? Arms and chest of silver and the belly of brass, the legs of iron and the, the feet of iron mixed with clay and the ten toes. And the ten toes represent this ten-nation confederacy that gives their power to the beast. And you've got this beast also with ten horns, right? And it's talked about in Revelation, not just Daniel, about this beast with ten horns, guys. And these ten horns, these are nations that give their power to the beast. And it talks about these first couple images and the head of gold represents Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And in the animal imagery, it's it, it's compared to the lion, which was, by the way, their symbol. The head of a lion. But And that was Babylon, which was modern-day Iraq. And then you also have what? Not just Babylon, but you have, you have the Medo-Persian Empire, which was Babylon, which is also by the bear... Cause it's, and it's one side of its body is heavier than the other. Just like the silver was the bear the, or the Middle Persian Empire. One side is bigger than the other because the Medes were a lot smaller than the Persians. Guys, you had Babylon, which was a rock. I'm sorry. You had Babylon, which was a rock. You had uh, Persia, which was Iran, okay, which I mentioned earlier. But then you had Iraq, which was Ancient Babylon, where Nebuchadnezzar is. And in Revelation chapter 13, it talks about that final beast empire, and it talks about it looks like a lion and a bear. And Daniel says this book's sealed because it doesn't explain the details about that last beast. But the end of book Revelation, not like the end of Daniel, it says, do not seal up this book. It gives us more details. So this final empire, which seems very Islamic, which is anti two groups of people, by the way, Christians and Jews, It's the spirit of Antichrist. And this New York Times article says, okay, it says, the cover of this most recent uh, Dabiq, which is a Muslim uh, magazine, the slick magazine that the Islamic State distributes online shows an image of the jihadist fighter with a group of notorious black flags behind him. He appears to be on the roof of a church knocking over a cross. Below him, a headline reads, break the cross. And then it goes into this thing about how, uh, you know, it talks about Christians of Iraq and Syria, you know, and uh, there's a campaign to uproot them. And quote, break the cross is not an arbitrary phrase, New York Times says. It refers to a prophecy that will supposedly be realized in the final era before the apocalypse. So just like God's revealed long before Muhammad lived, what's going to happen, amen, it reveals that. You'll be hated because of all names, men because of my name, by the way, right here in Matthew 24. There'll be wars and rumors of wars, right? And that they would hate Christ in his name. Yet they're expecting, as this article goes on to say, which I've already taught before, which I just thought this article, I'm like, well, wow, this is the New York Times, but it's not tying it in the Bible prophecy, unfortunately. I've warned you that the Bible talks about this coming out of Christ, and it says, Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name and you believe me not, or you receive me not. If another one comes in his own name, him you will receive. So those who reject Jesus as the Messiah, because they don't want him, they don't want to believe that their sins are so bad that someone had to die for them. They don't want to submit to the one true God and worship him. He says, I come in my Father's name, you receive me not. If another one comes in his own name, him you will receive. And John says, who is the Antichrist? First John chapter two, but the one who denies the Father and the Son. On the Al-Aqsa Mosque, on the Temple Mount, which the Antichrist will eventually sit in when the temple is rebuilt, you can see the Al-Aqsa Mosque. You can see the Dome of the Rock. There's inscriptions that say Allah is God. And remember, it says Allah is God he has no what? He has no son. They'll deny the father and the son. Muslims deny that God, who they call Allah, is a father. Can become your father and that he has a son. And that's the spirit of Antichrist right there on the Temple Mount. This the stage is being set, guys. And I go into the New Age movement, the new the Gnosticism, and how in the Western part of the world, which isn't as much Islamic, how they're looking for a New Age Christ, right? They're denying that Jesus died for their sins, but they're calling them the Christ still. Benjamin Graham and all these guys for years, but a lot of people have been just prophesying this coming Messiah. Well, the Bible talks about that. Oh, by the way, the Bible says that the Antichrist will have a character the Bible calls the false prophet working with him, telling people to worship him. Well, guess what Islam teaches in the Hadith. The Shiites, that when the the Mahdi comes, right? There'll be a prophet that will be there. And that'll be Isa, which is their name for Jesus. And he'll back up and say, don't worship me. That's why they're going to break the cross. He'll he'll initiate, by the way, the breaking of the cross. It's not about me. Because their Isa, their Jesus didn't die on a cross. He'll say, follow him. And the Bible says a false prophet will tell people to follow the Antichrist. And it says the false prophet looks like a lamb. Looks like Jesus. But he speaks like a dragon. He speaks Satan's words. You guys, you could not set up better. If you could pull the strings for the devil, you could do better than what he's doing around the world. Do you understand? This is all... In this book before you study this, this is an incredible book, the most incredible book by far, the book of books. God says he puts his word as high as himself because it's his word. Read his word, be transformed by it. Be, know, the, know what the word of God says. So it's just amazing what the scriptures say. There'd be these false Christs and there'd be these false prophets and, and so forth. You know, look at chapter 24 again. You'll be hearing wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. It's going to get bad. It's not yet the end. Remember, a lot of people, COVID, it's the end of the world. No, it's not. Read your Bible. Verse 9, that's why we didn't freak out. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But these are the merely the beginning of birth pains. Wow. Many then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. By the way, some people say, oh, the rapture's right before this. Makes no sense. He's telling them they're going to go through it. They're the apostles of the early church. They're supposed to preach this message to others that they convert, that they're going to see this stuff. And by the way, if there was a rapture that just happens just before this, who are they hating for Jesus' name? All the Christians be gone. Makes no sense at all. Then they will deliver you to tribulation, will kill you, and you'll be hated by all the nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away. There's the apostasy. That's one of the signs that you see when you see people fall away. You know, the whole Bethel thing where they're taking, uh, you know, the, the, a, a replica of the staff of the wizard in, you know, in Tolkien's books, right? Gandalf's wizard. And they're all on stage with the leader of Bethel, which is supposed to be the biggest revival in the world right now, of just gold dust falling from the ceiling, supposedly, and weird miracles. And they're like hitting on the ground. We got to hit it three times because they're doing a spell, so racism will cease when we do this, which it didn't. It was a false prophecy, by the way. Uh, how do people even go after this? It breaks your heart. Pray for them. A lot of people are being deceived, right? But he says that at that time, many will fall away. It will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because lawlessness increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Lawlessness will increase. Would you agree Lawless? This is increasing right now, guys? Absolutely. June 1st, this month, New York Times, homicide rates, in states in large cities, guess what? They're up this year, since the beginning of the year. Homicides are up 24% from the beginning of this year. Does anybody, can anybody kind of get a clue as to why homicides might be up 24, I'm sorry, 24%? D, D, fund the police, <laughs> okay? Oh, let me see, two plus two is four hmm, that's, it's even simpler to say you take the police out of the equation and of course you're going to get lawlessness. You don't have to even have half a brain to figure that out. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13 that God has given law enforcement as ministers of righteousness to suppress evil. And you take that out of the equation and you're going to get what? Lawlessness. Come on, guys. It's so obvious And they were talking about defunding the police the same time you're seeing all these riots and people killing people and burning buildings and stuff down and they're saying, and we should defund the police. I'm like, man, if I was the devil, that's what I'd be saying. But you'd never think it would work on this level, right? I mean, you would think, you know what, there's gonna be a campaign to defund the police in the midst of a bunch of riots and a lot of people go, yeah, let's do that. You'd be like, that would be ridiculous. That's not gonna happen. And the Bible said lawlessness would increase. And we're seeing that happen before our very eyes. Oh, by the way, well why would the liberals want that? Do what thou wilt is one reason. And, yep. Yeah. But also, guess what? You defund the police, you create as much lawless, as much lawless as you can, then guess what? Then you can move in a police state, a federal police state. Then you could have an excuse, "Oh, we need to take away everyone's guns. Isn't that what the Democrats are doing right now? That's what they're doing right now. Oh, we need your guns. Well, we're not going to just confiscate them all, but we're just going to make stricter and stricter gun laws because the guns are killing the people. And I heard somebody say, man, who was it? It was a really great statement. But it was like when, when a bad guy kills somebody or a bad guy kills a cop, it's the gun that did it. But if a cop kills someone, it's the cop that did it. You can't have it both ways, Okay. Yeah, you have some cops that do wrong. You have some pastors that do wrong. You have some people in whatever occupation you're in that does wrong. Does that mean wipe them all out? No, it's ridiculous. Broad brush it instead of recognizing that there's, a, there's thousands, tens of thousands of awesome cops out there doing their job, risking their lives for us. Amen. Which we should be thankful for and we should be praying for. Amen. There's all kinds of pastors and preachers that are preaching the word of God that aren't up there on TBN begging for people's money, okay? There's all kinds of people in whatever you do that have integrity. It's, it's, It's common sense type stuff, but this stuff, man, for people that have a spirit of rebellion in the flesh is operative. A lot of people love that rebellious message. And it says in the last days, lawlessness would increase and the love of many would grow cold, the hatred that you see in the world today is sad. And we need to make sure we grow in love, amen? And that we allow our, the love in our hearts not to be spoiled, but that we pray, God, make, help me love more, amen? And you need to pray that. Crowd to God all the time, help me love more, Lord. Because it's one of the hardest things to do. You can't do it in the flesh. It's the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy. We need to walk in love, amen? But man, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, it talks about this lawlessness increasing there. Paul said, uh, and realize this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. self. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient appearance, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despised of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. There's the apostasy again. And like Janice and Jamboree's, who were the magicians in Pharaoh's court who tried to imitate the miracles of God, they'll sneak into the homes and deceive people. Wow. Lovers of self. Oh, self, 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 self. That's all you hear today. Narcissism has become acceptable. And back in the day, man, years ago, if you were alive in the 50s, 60s, popular magazine, Us Magazine. Oh, no, first it was life back then. Life, everything others. Then it became Us Magazine. It became really, really popular. And then it would, was limited from Life to Us to We Magazine. And then it became then with popular magazine. After that was Self Magazine. It's all about me. Oh, and Me Me Magazine too is out there now. You know, it's just like ridiculous but this is just the spirit of the age. People are just all into themselves and so forth. So lawlessness would increase, amen? And so guys, you need to be praying for law enforcement, amen? Can you imagine having that job? You've signed up to protect people and you're being made the evil person? The Bible says, what are those who call good evil and evil good? And that's what's happening in our age. By the way, when he says, Nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Do you remember what the Greek word I told you years ago? I've been warning it. I've been warning you about these things for years. Ethnic group. It says ethnos against ethnos in the Greek. And that's ethnic group against ethnic group. And I would scratch my head. I'm like, Lord, when I was a younger Christian. Well, I see gang warfare and stuff, you know, but I don't see this ethnic group, you know, ethnic group against ethnic group so much. I see wars and stuff and rumors of wars, but... How's that going to play out in the nations? I don't know. Well, just take the same people that are saying defund the police, right? To pit people against each other. Even though this nation, the 1619 Project, I did a lot of study on that, man. And it wasn't written by scholars, it was written by journalists. And scholars came out on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat, condemning it as a lie. Scholars did a, got together and wrote a whole writing, but this isn't right to say that our nation was founded upon racism, that that's why they got together to have the revolutionary war. In fact, these scholars point out that the main guys behind the revolutionary war at first were the most anti-racist of the founding fathers. Didn't make any sense, their arguments. Now you have pushing the idea of critical race theory in the schools, you know, which teaches that white people are inherently racist. If you're white, you're racist. This is like crazy stuff. That's like, Remember what Martin Luther King was saying was, "Don't judge them by the what color of their skin, but by the content of their character." He was defining that as racism, judging people by the color of skin. And now it's like, it's wrong to. And if anybody hates black people, doesn't like black people because the color of skin, or Mexican people, or because their cultural background, and you and you think you're better than everybody else and you hate them, yeah, you're a racist. You need to repent before Jesus. Jesus gave the best teaching ever against. I did a whole message during the race thing going on last year on the Good Samaritan, where Jesus talked about these two hated races and he taught about loving your neighbors, loving people from a different racial background, different cultural background. Amen? Go listen to that message. The guys that brought an end to slavery was largely the preaching of John Wesley. The political activism of Wilberforce in England, he was the main political guy. There's a whole movie on him. He's a Christian in parliament pleading who was inspired by a letter and by the preaching of John Wesley. The abolitionists out here in our country who put an end to racism were by and large almost all Christians. Abraham Lincoln and the Republican Party started as a party as the anti-slave party, the Republican president. The Ku Klux Klan was made up of mostly Democrats in 64, 65, and the Civil Rights Act and so forth. It was more conservatives for it and then it was a more, lot more, more Democrats against it. Look at Al Gore. Wasn't he related to one of these guys (laughs) that was standing against it? They did a study, internet study, of those who do searches that are showing the racist tendencies by by their searches on the internet. Liberal areas. To this day. Wow, why do liberals talk so much about, you know, this and that and so forth? Because, and same reason they want lawlessness, because they want to be in control. And if they can ferment a class that constantly looks to them for power to them, to keep them in power, says, well, they'll do that. And that's largely what's happening right here. A lot of people profit from racism, guys. And there's a spiritual component, component. okay? Deep down, it's a spiritual word, satanic, okay? I mean, people are, these. a lot of these liberals in the media, these talking heads, are for many fires of racism, stoking these things putting it out there and constantly saying, oh, no, you know, and it's, it's sad. Booker T. Washington, an African-American, uh, he was the founder of the National Negro Business League. He was uh, an, an American advisor to many presidents. He recognized that for many, racism was big business. In fact, listen to this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes on this subject. Booker T. Washington said, I'm afraid that there is a certain class of race problem solvers who don't want the patient to get well. Because as long as the disease holds out, they have not only an easy means of making a living, but also an easy medium through which to make themselves prominent before the public. Guys over here, Jesse Jackson? Okay. Al Sharpton, he's another one. And Jesus said in the last days, love people's love would grow cold and there would be ethnic group against ethnic group as christians you more than anybody need to love people from every background because we of all people know that we all came from one man amen, amen. we all know that jesus died for everybody amen? amen we also know that jesus wasn't lily white by the way okay he's in the middle east okay he's probably quite brown i love that man right in between because that's a pigment of your skin color is nothing. It's about, the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Amen? Amen? So we need to love people from every background. And I always tell you, I've told you, if, if you've been blessed so many time long, I always praise God for all the different racial groups. I praise God for what happened at the Tower of Babel when the Lord dispersed the nations so they wouldn't all collectively worship him in this globalistic, satanic system. I mean, come on. If God didn't do that, we would not have Thai food. We would not have sushi. We would not have brisket. We would not have, what's that? Fried chicken. chicken. Amen, sister. Praise the Lord. And if you're listening and you didn't see that from the back or you're watching by, that's one of our awesome, wonderful, precious, beautiful black sisters. Amen. Praise the Lord. We would have all these wonderful things. You know, Rona, man, your mom and dad, another one of our black sisters, bummer they shut down their restaurant. Some awesome soul food there in Moorpark, man. Maybe you and Blaze, maybe you guys might see if the Lord might be directing you to reopen something like that, you know. But probably not, but just saying. You guys, we have such an awesome God. And praise the Lord, you know what's so beautiful? It's seen in book of Revelation chapter seven that people from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue will be worshiping God together and the Lamb who shed his blood for them, amen? You know, before the liberals had got a hold of a lot of segments of society through a lot of their policies, like in areas in New York, academic studies and and uh, success was in some areas in black areas higher than some of the white areas, even though they had some greater challenges in many respects. So it, it, a lot of this holds people back. A lot of these programs they actually instigate or they actually incentivize not getting married and having a one parent home. The government to this day, and a lot of people won't get married because guess what? They'll lose money from the government. And so you you have less dads in the house. You have more crime. You have more lawlessness. It's all backwards, guys. So these are, man, these, boy, I look at the clock. (sighs) Don't look. Do not say that to me, sister. (laughs) For all your sake. No, I, praise God. Okay. So, wow. Wow, I'm looking at the clock right now. Is it really 1041? Yeah, it's 1041. No, the the clock has changed. Don't worry. (laughs) The clock has changed. It's not, don't worry. Is it okay if I have a part two of this message? I'm going to get a technology, all kinds of stuff. Yes, yes, do it, do it. Okay, so we'll do a part two of this message. Praise the Lord, we'll do that. Brother. Praise God. I want to encourage you guys though. Man, we have a problem as human beings. We can't, now be careful, we got to be very careful not to say, it's the Democrats. It's a human problem. The, do you know there's millions of damned Republicans? And I don't, I call myself, I'm a Republican. No, I'm a follower of Jesus, man. There's a there's damn people in every party. A party doesn't save you. In fact, there's people in all kinds of parties that are all about themselves and try to bring forth policies that are about themselves. But guess what, man? We have two colossal problems as human beings. We are guilty before God, number one, because we're sinners, amen. We stand condemned. Number one. Number two, we're not just guilty. But we have these fallen, depraved, wicked, sinful natures. And politics could never fix this. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, remember that? All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I don't know, horses could bring, put anything together, but I don't know, it doesn't make sense, but it makes some sense. They could put Humpty Dumpty back together, it's shattered, Right? And that's our problem. We're, you, know, you bet on hu- humanity, it's like betting on that old naggy horse that should have been put to pasture years ago at a racetrack. It's never gonna win. Humanity is not bettering itself. We're becoming worse. Lawlessness is increasing. I wanna encourage you guys. The only way we can be saved is through the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? amen. The God who gave these prophecies in that same book of Isaiah, right? What does he say? Go to Isaiah 53. And then we'll end by, after, by reading this in Isaiah chapter 53 in the Old Testament. And he goes on to say some really amazing things. And we read this in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1. That when the Messiah would come. And by the way, when you understand the context of this passage it's already glorious but most people when they read it they go oh it's about Jesus yeah but they don't understand the context the context of Zechariah chapter 12 verses 8 through 10 it says when the Messiah returns it says in the Old Testament the Jewish Old Testament that the Jews have to this day it says they'll see the one that they pierced but they don't believe in Jesus yeah they'll see the one they pierced and they'll mourn and they'll start to weep and they'll say you know they'll weep as one weeps for his only son and a fountain of cleansing will be open to them because the nation's gonna be converted in a day, folks. And they're gonna be crying, saying, we, we missed the Messiah, but now we see it was Jesus all the time. And guess what? This is what they're going to say right here at that time. Who has believed our message, verse one? And to whom has the armor of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender root, like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and what? We did not esteem him. I mean, we despised him. We didn't esteem him. We didn't know he was pierced and he was the Messiah. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. We thought God was just rejecting him. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chasing of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are what? We are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has caused iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And he did not open his mouth like a lamb that has led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as of his first generation, who considered that he was cut off, that's killed, out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. He was assigned with wicked men. Remember, he died between thieves. Yet he was with a rich man in his death. Remember, Joseph Arabithia let him use his borrowed tomb for three days and three nights. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Perfect. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting them to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will what? Justify Justify the many. Amen. Declare us righteous because of what he went through. We're declared righteous. We don't have to pay for our own sins because he died in our place. And he will bear their iniquities, which he did on the cross. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. He will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many, and he interceded for them, it says. He interceded for the transgressors. Remember on the cross? My God, my God, he interceded for the sinners. Why do you uh, forgive them? For they don't know what they do. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they do, he prayed. What an awesome God we have. By the way, in the Jewish synagogues, when they get to this chapter, guess what they do? They skip skip it. (laughs) Because it's so clearly Jesus. But guess what? You don't skip Jesus, folks. Amen? The whole New Testament was written by Jews. Maybe Luke was a Gentile. We're not sure, though. Because they found the Messiah. All the prophecies are, have, there's prophecies that have been fulfilled radically. We've talked about them that are being fulfilled. I can't wait till next week because, ah, oh man, I was excited about this message and now I'm doubly excited because next week I get to get into those other prophecies, technology, stuff that they couldn't have known about when it was written. Things of that nature, mind-boggling stuff coming up. But guys, the main thing is those two problems you have, we have, I have, we all have, without Jesus, we have, we're guilty of sin We deserve punishment. And we have these fallen evil natures. And if you're honest, you'll admit that you struggle with thoughts that are ungodly, you know? And it's not like once a year. It's something that every true Christian will battle at times, right? Throughout the day at times, you have to pray and be focused, say, God, help my heart belong only to you. Amen? We have this problem. Well, Jesus died to save us from both problems. Double problem, but there's a double cure. When he died on the cross, he paid for your sins. He paid your fine, amen, in your place so you don't have to be condemned forever, amen. Eternal darkness, outer darkness, boom, the darkness came upon the world when he was on the cross being judged by God in our place. I thirst, the Bible says, Jesus said, the rich man wanted just one drop of water from Lazarus. Jesus said, I thirst, amen, amen. We'll be separated from God forever because of our sin. But Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou what? Forsaken me. me." The hell that we deserve, he experienced for us on the cross. He paid the penalty. He rose from the dead, amen. He conquered the grave. That solves that problem because if you put your trust in him, you'll be forgiven. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. But the other problem, that sinful nature, the inclination toward evil that we have, when we come to Jesus, we can't be his followers, he said, unless we what? Deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow him. We can't do that in our own power. His Holy Spirit draws us. We come to Christ. He comes to live in us. And then he gives us new power. Paul says, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. We get the Holy Spirit, God. In us, the hope of glory, Christ in us and the Holy Spirit and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in us and they empower us and give us strength to live new lives. Before you're a Christian, it's like, how could I even do what's right? Yeah, you're right. Paul said he was torn. He goes, man, I know what to do is right, but I can't. don't have the power to do it. Who will save me from this body of death? Wretched man. That I am. Oh, thanks to Jesus. Romans 7 then Romans 8. Guess what? It's all about victory in Jesus and having victory because the law of life in the Spirit overcomes the law of sin and death. And now we can live righteous lives, amen? To where I'm not cheating on my wife. To where I'm not running people over on the road. To where I'm not beating people up. I'm not doing all these wicked things, you know? Not that I beat my wife before I was saved because I got saved before I met her, thank the Lord. Amen? But it's important that we, are, we know Jesus and that we're saved, amen? Amen? And that you need to come to Jesus because when you come to Jesus, two radical things happen. You become forgiven and he comes in to live in you, amen? And now you just pray, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Father, as Paul prayed in Ephesians, we strengthen my inner man. Fill me with your spirit, as Paul prayed, that we be filled with the fullness of God. Use me, your glory, and you continue to rely upon him because you don't have the strength. How many of you guys golf? Anybody golf here? Raise your hand if you golf. Come on, you can admit it. Okay, raise your hands higher, Okay. I understand golf can be a pretty cool sport. But man, you're not going to go out there and beat Tiger Woods in his prime, right? But if Tiger Woods could unzip you and golf through you, you could actually golf really good. Guess what? God comes to live in us so we can live the life he's called us to live, amen? Amen? amen. And we just say, Lord, you give me strength and he gives us strength. Praise God. So I want to encourage you to continue to get together and fellowship don't forsake the seven of yourselves together, the Bible says. Remember, I've given the illustration of geese and how they fly together and they fly like, what is it, 73% further as a group than they do individually. And we're, the Bible says, don't forsake the seven of yourselves together. We get together all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. We need to be in fellowship, amen? I love the science behind geese. I just found a scientific fact I didn't know. Do you realize, do you know why? It's pretty fascinating. Do you know why one line of the geese is longer than the other? It's pretty amazing when you think about it. You know why? Because there's more geese on that side. I just learned that uh, from Buck from Buck uh, last week. I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. You know, you count the geese. There's more of them on that side. Okay, I love you guys. Let's pass out communion. Can everybody please stand?